0: what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the lights out podcast i'm your host josh and today we're going to be diving into utah's most haunted places from shakespearean comic relief to 150 million year old trees the paranormal has found its way into several nooks and crannies throughout utah although many spirits reside in historical theaters hotels and homes certain curses have made their way to utah's great outdoors and over a thousand travelers regret disturbing the ancient geology of the land. This episode, we have a bunch of different places that are super diverse and bring different types of paranormal activity with them. Before we get into the episode, though, I just want to remind everybody that we have merch still. There's still some merch left in stock. Honestly, I don't think I'll be restocking any of the designs. So if you wanted anything from this last Lights Out collection, go get it now because it may not be there for very long. It's We ship worldwide. So check it out if you haven't already. And lastly, I just wanted to thank everybody for the support and the love that you've shown on the last couple episodes. I appreciate it. Again, for those that didn't hear, everything is good with Joel. He's my brother and, you know, I always love and support him and whatever he does. And so there's no hard feelings there. There's no drama or anything like that. It just was, again, he just wanted to go and pursue some other opportunities that he had. So There's nothing more to that. But yeah, I'm not really sure what the future of Lights Out looks like right now. Again, I've only got, I think, this episode and one more episode before I go on paternity leave. And yeah, I just don't know how long it'll be till I come back. Um, So just wanted to put that out there. But this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Raycon, every plate in hell fresh. And yes, I love to eat. But let's just go ahead and jump right into Utah's most haunted places. And we're going to start with our first haunted location in Utah, in a place where many have traveled through and some have never left. National forests and fresh air surround the old city of Ogden. This region has seen the early days of the first railroads and the lawless frontier, and before that, the great Salt Lake Fremont indigenous people around the land. Its human history spans centuries and it was finally incorporated as a city in 1851. Soon enough, early trains rolled into stations as people settled in the area. As a transcontinental railroad completed its tracks across the continent, Ogden welcomed visitors and settlers into Union Station. For several decades, this was the junction for railroad travel into the Intermountain West, and on March 8, 1869, the first train steamed into the city. Throughout the years, many different people from all over traveled to Ogden, and many of their stories remain untold. But one man in particular, Frank Yenser, left his mark on the station forever, and his story is still told today nearly a hundred years later. Today, the station at the end of 25th Street looked much different in the 1800s. It was a large Victorian-style depot with a few hotel rooms at the south end, Its most obvious feature was the large clock tower that stood above everything it peaked from the center of the building and its pointed roof stood over four stories tall the massive tower would one day hold frank yenser's fate the station opened in july of 1889 but after a few decades locals complained that the architecture was outdated they said it was too small and too dark they wanted something bright and modern But the union pacific railroad company didn't want to invest any more money into a station they had just built so the building stood until the evening of february 13th 1923 around 7 p.m a baggage carrier who lived in the station dorms ran at full speed into the telephone operator's office he was out of breath but between his heaving he told everyone that there was a fire in the building an operator called the fire department and fire trucks arrived as quickly as possible but by then the flames had engulfed almost half of the building flames tore through the roof and blew out windows and ash fell from the sky supposedly someone was ironing a pair of pants on the evening of the fire the iron got too hot and caught the pants on fire leading to half the building burning by 2:30 the next morning the fire trucks had finally extinguished the last bit of flame after seven hours of work luckily there were no injuries or deaths during the fire as everyone had made it out alive the people of ogden got their wish The ugly station was half destroyed the locals thought that this was their chance at getting a new train station but still union pacific didn't want to spend more money so instead they announced that they would repair the station frank yenser had worked at the station for four years and recently had been promoted to cashier just a few months before the fire originally he moved to ogden with his wife and daughter from illinois and by the time of the fire they had a six-month-old son on february 26 1923 frank headed to work that morning just like any other day. He left his home on 28th Street and headed over to the train station to work as a cashier. His wife stayed at home with the children. When he got to the station, the cashier's office had been recently moved because of the construction. Now it was toward the train platform so the construction workers could keep working on the repairs. And during the repairs, he tried to keep the station running as smooth as possible. So while Frank worked at the makeshift cashier's office, construction workers repaired the large clock tower that had been damaged in the fire. The clock tower stood between both wings of the station so it was hard to avoid the construction. Behind the clock tower along the roof there was large stone cones that decorated the outside of the building. And just before 2 p.m., a gust of wind blew a clock tower roof support beam loose. It fell and smashed into one of the stone decorative cones and sent it flying. This one cone weighed nearly 250 pounds and came speeding straight through the skylight of Frank's cashier's office. The stone landed on top of Frank's head killing him instantly the two other cashiers in the office watched in horror as the stone pummeled frank into the ground after his death public outcry finally forced union pacific's hand they finally agreed to build a new station rather than repair the old one but it came at the cost of frank's life the new union station was built on the original stone foundation and the original stones from 1889 can still be seen in the basement today not only that some have seen frank's ghost wandering around the basement as well. Some see him wearing a bowler hat and an overcoat, looking for a cash register to work. Others see a different picture. He's been seen with his mangled body and his head smashed in from the massive stone. And he's now a permanent resident ghost in the station, but he's not alone. Over the decades, many more joined him after death. After the new station had been built, trains constantly ran to and from the city. And on December 31st, 1944, A thick fog covered the tracks. Two trains had set out from Ogden, but the first slowed down to 8 miles an hour because of a slow freight train. The second train hadn't gotten the signal and couldn't see the train ahead until it was already too late. Through the fog, one of the engineers finally spotted the train ahead. He activated the brakes the second he saw the train, and an autopsy showed that he died of heart failure seconds before the collision. The train smashed into the other one at 50 miles an hour. The force of the impact sent a passenger car through the dining car, setting off a chain reaction. Several more train cars lifted off the rails, and some flipped over and crashed down into the nearby water, and others piled up along the tracks. In the aftermath of the destruction, 50 people died. First responders from the medical train cars treated 81 people who were wounded, until the rescue trains arrived from Ogden, and these cars also ended up hauling the dead bodies back to Union Station. They converted the Browning Theater inside the station to act as a morgue, where they laid out the bodies and covered them in sheets. Fifty corpses rested on the floor covered in white sheets until they all could be identified and transported for burial. But even after the bodies left the station, many of their souls remained. Their ghostly shadows now infect the building at every turn. Flashes of dark, mutilated train crash victims blink in and out. They dress in 1940s clothing and wander through the halls and offices, looking for a way to finally pass over to the other side. But it seems like Union Station isn't the only place with paranormal activity in town, as just a few blocks down from the station is the Bigelow Hotel, and it has a few resident ghosts of its own. When the building was first constructed in 1927, it was known as the Ben Le Monde, and it was the largest hotel in Ogden and still the second tallest building in the city with 12 floors. They made sure to cut the amount of floors just short of 13, for obvious reasons. But bad luck would still plague this building strange enough this building wasn't the original hotel on the lot in july of 1891 a different hotel sat in its spot it was called the reed hotel and it operated from 1891 to 1926. the reed hotel was only five stories tall and had 140 rooms there was a restaurant on the top floor and guests could enjoy the beautiful view of the mountains nearby within its first year of operations came the building's first death mr william b Steele was discovered dead in his bed he had died from tuberculosis His death would be the first of many, as eight more people went on to die in the Reed Hotel. Most of the deaths were due to old age or natural causes, but others were much more tragic. A couple known as the Van Allens had moved into the hotel's apartments in the early 1900s. The wife, only 38 years old, was known for having multiple ailments and medical issues. She struggled daily with chronic pain, which often ruined her mental state. Every day of living was a chore and on September 8th, 1902, her husband left the apartment to work at his office down the street. On his lunch break, he returned to the apartment to check on his wife, since he knew she wasn't feeling well that day. As he walked into the basement, he noticed that it was eerily quiet. Usually his wife was in the kitchen or in the living room, enjoying the radio or cleaning, but there was only silence. As he rounded the corner to the bedroom, he found his wife lying in bed. This wasn't unusual on the day she wasn't feeling well but he immediately noticed the red blood sprinkled the wall behind her, and her pillow was soaked in blood. Earlier in the day, she had found his pistol, loaded it, and shot herself in the head after he left for work. The burden of her chronic pain had become too much, but now she bears another kind of pain in the realm between worlds. It's believed her ghost forever haunts the third floor rooms facing 25th Street, and she's constantly seeking relief. Several years later, another death would shock the hotel. One of the hotel cooks also killed himself, But his death was reported as an accident, and on September 26, 1921, a newly hired cook pressed the button for the elevator on the third floor. As the doors opened, the cook was distracted by something out of the corner of his eye, and he didn't look forward before stepping through the doors. The elevator had malfunctioned and was stuck on a floor above. So when the doors opened, there was only an open elevator shaft. The cook blindly stepped in and fell to his death three stories below. Ever since, people have noticed the hotel elevators traveling to different floors on their own, and many believe the ghost of the cook is constantly calling the elevators, but they never arrive to his floor. A few years after his death, the Reed Hotel was almost completely demolished in 1926, but the foundation of the original hotel remained. A new hotel took its place, and it was named the Bigelow Hotel. Its grand opening was on June 3rd, 1927, and at the time it was the largest building in town. It had 350 guest rooms, each with a private bathroom. It also had 11 dining rooms and a coffee shop. These rooms each had their own theme, a palace ballroom, an old Spanish business room, a Japanese tea room, and an Arabian-styled coffee shop. It was the perfect place for Union Station travelers to stay and relax, and apparently it was also a perfect place for their tragic deaths. Only two years after opening, on March 9, 1929, The Utah Canners Association hosted their convention at the Bigelow Hotel, and during the convention, Dan Rolland and a few friends went up to his hotel room on the 12th floor to have some drinks before heading to the ballroom for dancing. A man named Edward Spellman was one of the people invited. He had met Dan and his group of friends earlier in the day and started hanging out together. They all started slamming drinks and getting wasted in the hotel room. One after another, everyone tried to get as drunk as possible. The wife of one of the friends ended up having a little too much to drink, so she decided that she needed to lie down on the bed, while the rest kept raging. The others in the group left her while they headed to the ballroom to dance, and as the night dragged on and hours passed, Dan decided to head back up to his room on the top floor. As he put his key in the lock, he heard noises coming from inside, and when he swung the door open, he saw Edward sexually assaulting the passed-out woman on the bed. He ran toward them, wrestled Edward off the woman and dragged him out of the hotel room. Edward reeked of liquor and his body felt like jello. He could barely walk and he slurred his words. Dan then decided to take him down to the lobby, but on their way to the elevator, Edward took a drunken swing at Dan and missed. His fist awkwardly flew into the wall next to Dan. This triggered him, so Dan immediately fought back, nailing Edward right on the chin with a clenched fist. Edward flew back across the room and cracked a skull on the wall behind him. As he fell down, a streak of blood covered the wallpaper. He died almost instantly. And Dan was later charged with murder but was acquitted. And long after the events, it's believed Edward's ghost still haunts the hotel's top floor. As for his hauntings, his victim of choice is any woman who's had a few too many drinks. Sometime after the murder, the hotel later changed its name to Ben Lamond. after it was sold in 1933. And for many years, the hotel was quiet nothing out of the ordinary happened and no deaths were reported for several years but that changed in 1939 when two men barged into the hotel elevator and demanded the operator take them to the top floor scared the elevator operator could tell something was wrong with them she tried to get them help in the lobby but the men snuck into the elevator and pressed the button to the top floor once they got to the top the men ran to the window at the end of the hallway and one after the other they leaped to their desks plunging a hundred feet down to the street below and it was later revealed that both men had just recently lost their jobs. The Great Depression had started 10 years before, and in 1939, it was its last year, but the men couldn't take it anymore. Their financial ruin pushed them over the edge. Some have claimed that the two men dressed in 1930s clothing have been spotted getting on the elevators to the top floor. After their deaths, the last recorded suicide in the hotel was July 16, 1951. A local teacher named Donna Anderson jumped from a ninth floor window and killed herself. Several more natural deaths haunted the hotel, and one more murder took place in 1976 when a 15-year-old boy stabbed a hotel clerk at 2 in the morning on October 24th, 1976. The boy had brutally stabbed the hotel clerk 44 times, and it was clear there was something about the hotel that made its guests violent and suicidal. Out of all the recorded deaths in the hotel, several more ghost stories have floated around the internet. Their deaths can't be found in newspapers, but the stories live on. The most popular ghost story tells of a bride who stayed there on her honeymoon, and during their first night there, the bride drowned in the bathtub of room 1102, and not long after her death, her son arrived to gather her belongings after her body was removed from the bathtub. He stayed in the adjacent room 1101, and after collecting the last of her things, he was so distraught that he committed suicide. His spirit wanders the 11th floor, always searching for his mother. The 11th floor is also where another woman came to live in the 1940s. She waited for her son to return from war. For years she waited, but her son never returned, and she was never informed that he had died in Japan. It's said that she kept waiting until she died from a broken heart, and ever since, the front desk workers have reported phone calls coming from unoccupied rooms on the 11th floor. Some have smelled old-fashioned perfume in the hallways, cold spots, and the disembodied voice of an older woman. It's believed the woman is still there on the 11th floor, waiting for her son to return from war, and her soul will wait for an eternity. Ghosts like these fill the paranormal lore of Ogden, and its oldest buildings continue to house the spirits of the dead. It's believed that many of them are only searching for their own peace, but a few others are out to terrorize the travelers and tourists who come through the city. This hotel and Union Station seem to be the biggest paranormal hotspots around. But it's not the only train station that's haunted. We're going to get into the ghost known as the Purple Lady at Salt Lake City's Rio Grande train station right after this break. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Theo Vaughn's podcast and lots of new music that's been coming out. And it's been great. And one reason it's been great to listen to is because I have my Raycon wireless earbuds to use. Raycon's Everyday Earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable that they will not budge. Trust me. Raycon's earbuds are the only ones that I'll sleep in. They fit my ear so perfectly that I can lay on my side or either side. And I never wake up with my ears being really sore like with other earbuds. And honestly, you forget that they're even there. They're that comfortable. Raycon's give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. And Raycon's are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of the other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Some of my other favorite features are the noise isolation that they provide. Just help block out some of that noise. My other favorite feature is Awareness Mode, which is great. It's an awesome feature for those that want to know what's going on around them while also still listening to their audio. It's great for people that go on walks or jogs and people that ride public transportation. I mean, it still allows you to know what's going on, but you can still listen to all your music podcasts or audio, it's amazing. So go to buyraycon.com slash lights out today to get 15% off your Raycon order. So my next two sponsors are HelloFresh and EveryPlate. And for those that didn't know, EveryPlate is now owned by HelloFresh. And with a wide array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. I love switching between these different brands, and now my listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount with me. So EveryPlate is the most affordable meal kit option. And you don't have to sacrifice quality though, which is amazing. Every plate is a great meal service because it allows you to plan shop and have everything delivered you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. Choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins and sides to your liking so you can switch up your dinner routine however you want. Life's too short for a boring dinner and I get sick of eating the same things over and over again. Luckily, every plate keeps my taste buds happy with an ever changing seasonal recipes and a variety of meat, seafood, and veggie options. And now you can get even more out of your EveryPlate delivery with new extras to complement your weekly order. Get extras like vanilla delight cheesecake, sweet kale salad, garlic bread, and protein bundles to take everything up a notch. Again, EveryPlate is the most affordable option when it comes to meal kits. It's literally cheaper than a cup of coffee per day. So stop grocery stopping, stop ordering delivery, and check out every plate today. Right now you can get your first box for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code out 179 All right, let's move on to our next haunted location. So the Union Station isn't the only rail station in Utah that harbors ghosts. One of the most famous ghosts in Utah is known as the Purple Lady, and her story begins and ends in Salt Lake City's Rio Grande train station. It was constructed not long after the Union Pacific Depot, and was designed to be more elaborate and beautiful. But the construction costs more than double compared to Union Station. Massive arched windows bring in sunlight from the second story and it lights up the beautiful interior. In its heyday, the station was filled with travelers from one wall to the other. But not long after opening in 1910, the beautiful building became the place of a terrible tragedy. As the story goes, a woman and her fiance stood out on the platform waiting for their train. The two got into an argument so heated the woman pulled the engagement ring off her finger and threw it down onto the tracks, but she almost immediately regretted it. So as she sobbed and wiped her tears, she ran onto the tracks to get back the ring. She was so distraught that she couldn't hear her fiancé or the other people warning her not to go onto the tracks. As she bent down to look for it, an oncoming train hit her and killed her immediately. Ever since, the famous ghost of the purple lady has been seen all over the train station. The first sighting was back in 1947 when a female passenger stopped to use one of the station's restrooms, and as she opened the door to a small bathroom, a woman wearing a purple dress and a large purple hat stood there staring at her. Her style looked like she had come right out of the early 1900s, and with wide eyes, she stared at the passenger before disappearing into thin air. And she's been mostly seen in the women's restrooms. Other times, she's seen in the restaurant on the main floor. And after the restaurant closes for the day, employees have claimed to hear the footsteps of high-heeled shoes walking across the floors. Security guards have also heard footsteps on the mezzanine late at night. When they went up to check, though, there was no one there. One security guard even felt an invisible entity brush past him after hearing footsteps coming toward him, and others have spotted a man wearing early 1900s clothing following the purple lady, which might be her fiancé. People believe he's constantly following her around, telling her not to go on the tracks. These two aren't the only ghosts in the city. Another famous haunted location in Salt Lake City is the McCune Mansion, built in 1898. It took $1 million to complete, which is around $33 million today. And now all of its vast space has left room for the paranormal to infest the house. The architecture and design of the house is incredibly impressive. Although it was once a private home, today it's used for weddings and conferences. Fifty stairs lead up from the street to the massive three-story building. And inside you'll find 400-year-old English oak, extravagant artwork and Irish marble. Chandeliers hang from the ceilings and Persian rugs cover the floors. Since it's so incredibly nice, it's no wonder why a ghost would be tempted to make this their forever home. There have been multiple reports of paranormal activity through the years, and it's believed that two spirits live inside the building. One is the spirit of an older man. He might be Alfred McEwen, the original owner. Alfred was a successful businessman, and he came to Utah from India and made a fortune in mining and railroad businesses, and he later sold his mansion to the Mormon church. After his death, many believe a spirit returned to the house, and he's been spotted in the hallways wearing a fancy black cape and occasionally he flickers the lights on Christmas Day and wanders around the house. Sometimes the disembodied voice of a man can be heard through the walls traveling down the hallways. The other spirit is a 10-year-old girl who has been spotted walking through mirrors inside the mansion. Some believe she uses the mirrors to travel between the world of the living and the dead. She's also been known to move objects around the house when people aren't looking, but luckily both of the ghosts seem to be harmless, at least for now. So over in Logan, Utah... Locals have experienced a popular ghost of their own, and it's one who's known for his performances. Down Center Street, the Kane Lyric Theater stands out with its colorful marquee. It's become a landmark in the city, but not just for its unique look. It's also known for a famous ghost that haunts the inside. The theater has seen its fair share of drama since its beginning in 1913. It was built in a lot where a previous opera house caught fire and burned to the ground a year before, on April 14, 1912. Strange enough, that's the same day that the Titanic sunk, and Logan, Utah might have been the only city in the U.S. where the newspaper's front page didn't read, Titanic sunk. Instead, it reported the theater fire, and a year later, the Kane Lyric Theater rose from the ashes. That same year, a theater company came through with its production of Hamlet, and the ghost that would haunt the theater was one of the cast members at the time. In one of the scenes with Gravediggers on stage, Gravedigger number 2 is getting more laughs than Gravedigger number 1. Night after night, Gravedigger Number One couldn't stand the other guy getting the spotlight, and a violent jealousy began to build. After a few more nights of production, people noticed that Gravedigger Number Two, Everett Jones, wasn't showing up to work anymore. Everyone in the theater department has their own story about what happened, but many believe that Gravedigger Number One killed Everett after tension had grown over who was getting the most laughs. Some even reported that the actor was seen carrying a fresh new skull on stage as part of his costume. Some believe this was Everett’s goal, that swung around his hip. Ever since his death, people have seen and heard strange things around the theater. A disembodied giggle, or quiet applause has been heard coming from the balcony, where Everett used to sit and watch the other performances. Others have seen the chandelier near the balcony swing back and forth, with no one around. Late at night when the theater is closed, employees have seen a man walking through the foyer, and when they check the doors are locked, and they can’t find anyone in the theater. The box office workers have also reported seeing a man on the stairs after close, but after police were called, they swept the property, but no one was found. The company's stage manager, Chris Bushman, is often the first one in and out of the building. One terrifying experience was when she was closing the theater and turning off the last few lights. One night after flipping the switches, she headed up the stairs to leave, but the lights came back on in the exact order that they were turned off. She thought maybe she hadn't pressed the switches hard enough, so she went back down and turned them off again, but once again, the lights came back on. Everett isn't known for being malicious. He's never hurt anyone, so most think he's friendly. But just his presence is enough to scare the living shit out of anyone who goes into the theater. Instead of getting laughs like he used to when he played Gravedigger No. 2, now he only gets screams of horror, especially from the people who remain in the theater after dark. And the last haunted location in Utah we're going to cover today is The Curse of the Escalante Petrified Forest. Before we do, I thank our last sponsor for today. So as you probably can tell, I love to eat, I love to cook, and HelloFresh has made it super easy to do both every single week. HelloFresh is my favorite meal kit company out there. And they allow you to choose from 55 plus weekly options featuring pre-portioned high quality ingredients picked at peak ripeness. HelloFresh always delivers fresh quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week. And I got to say, I've been using HelloFresh for a long time. I've never had any rotten produce, and all their meats are of delicious quality. Never had any issues with my meal kits from them. You can select meals from the Taste of Summer series that are sure to become everyone's new favorites, like the Old Bay shrimp and sausage boil. Mm. Family-style grilled steak lettuce wraps. HelloFresh is a great way to learn how to cook as well. They have foolproof step-by-step recipe cards, meaning a joyful cooking experience in a stress-free summer. Plus, HelloFresh cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can even customize your dishes with Hello Custom by swapping out one protein or side for another, upgrading for a more luxe experience, or even adding protein to a veggie meal. This means more choices, more variety, and more meals truly tailored to you. I love this feature, because I oftentimes like to add chicken to most pastas, and the ability to do that is amazing. Plus, HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant, and is even cheaper than grocery shopping, which is more money back in your pocket. So if you haven't tried out HelloFresh yet, I don't know what you're doing. Try out HelloFresh, every plate. They're all amazing at all different and affordable price points. So go to hellofresh.com lightsout16 and use code lightsout16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. So most ghost stories usually involve old haunted buildings with histories that date back centuries. But occasionally the paranormal terror can manifest in places of nature. And if there's one thing about Utah, It's that it has plenty of regions filled with the great outdoors, and the spirits of nature date back further than human nature. The Escalante Petrified Forest State Park is a beautiful underrated park where people go to camp, kayak, hike, and take pictures. It's most known for its petrified wood and dinosaur bones that date back over 150 million years. All around the park, you can find ancient petrified tree trunks along hiking trails. And millions of years ago, this plateau was located on a floodplain. When surges of water tore through the land, the water would rip massive trees from their roots. Over time, the trees were buried in mud. And since they were exposed to oxygen, the trees petrified over millions of years. Instead of decaying, minerals seeped into the wood and gave the tree trunks colors of red, orange, white, and purple. The petrified wood is so beautiful that the visitors often want to take some home with them. But it is illegal to remove them from the park. And not only is it illegal... Many believe there's an ancient curse connected to the wood, and if you remove it from the park, bad luck will curse you for as long as you have possession of it. Since the 1930s, people have taken small pieces that have reported broken bones and violent car accidents only days later. Someone's motorhome also caught fire and burned to the ground. Every year, these people send dozens of letters to the park along with a package containing the piece of petrified wood that they took. In the letters, they begged the park workers to return the piece of wood to its proper place. There's an exhibit in the park dedicated to the accursed visitors. It's called The Mystery of Conscience Wood. The stories of the thieves fill the room with tales of prison, divorce, medical problems, losing their jobs, and even death. One thief described how it was difficult to smuggle the piece out of the park, and ever since, nothing in his life had gone right. Many believe that returning the stolen wood to its original spot would reverse the curse, but others believe that they will be cursed until death. And unfortunately, it's against policy to return the rock to its spot. Since the park thrives on scientific study, it ruins the scientific value of any artifact has been moved. So they've piled up the rocks in a field nearby. In the museum room, there's a binder of nearly 1,200 pages of letters. They're called the Conscience Letters, and the earliest one dates back to 1935. Every letter is about a visitor regretting their decision to take a piece of petrified wood, but many think they got what they deserved. They could have easily purchased a legally collected piece of petrified wood from several nearby businesses, but instead they decided to steal, and now they're sentenced to a life of misery. But with that, that concludes our episode on the haunted places in Utah. Have you been to any of these places? I haven't personally, but whenever I get time to visit Utah, I'm definitely going to be checking some of these places out. Let me know if you've had experiences at any of these places in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube or send me a message or tweet or comment at lights out cast on all other social media platforms i hope you enjoyed this episode of lights out and i will see you next time until then lights out everybody